Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. It is and I'm Jimmy. And we are excited to have today John Finch. John, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me, brother. So John is a producer and director of the Father Effect short as well as feature film. He heads the Father Effect Ministry, which is dedicated to addressing father wounds in both men as well as women. And his latest book that came out in October is entitled The Father Effect. Tell us about the book. Well, the book is uh, is really a much deeper story than the, than the movie itself. And uh, it really shares the, the inside stories of, of my struggle growing up without a dad and how that impacted me and and also, there's a lot of encouragement and, and, I hope, inspiration in the book that that will uh, will help people get through those uh, those times, the difficulties and the journeys of of uh, growing up without a dad, and really just kind of navigating that process and, mm-hmm. and trying to to get healing from what we call the father wound. And so it's a it's a book uh, I think of inspiration, and it's a book that. That uh, that can help many that have been um, suffering some type of uh, separation or, or issue of abandonment, maybe because of death, divorce, or disinterest from a father. Now, you did go about this a little bass awkwardly. Most of the time, a book comes out and then they do a movie. You kind of did it the other way around. Tell us about why you began with with the film The Father Effect. Well, that that really goes to show you that God's got an incredible sense of humor. And uh he his hands all over this thing because you're right, I did it totally backwards. I uh as we started the ministry and and I had really come to this um place in my life where God was doing this incredible transformation. Um, as a result of me finding forgiveness for my dad, you know, I, I was literally driving one day and, and we were struggling trying to get the message out and really having difficulty in finding an audience and finding uh, anyone that would listen. And and it just hit me. I'm like, you know what, as a man, I would much rather watch a movie than I would read a book. So um, literally, that's God just kind of confirmed that. And, and uh, it's funny, I remember walking in my home and telling my wife, I think God wants us to make a movie. And my wife just kind of looked at me like I was nuts and said, okay. And so <laughs> uh, I didn't have any kind of background in filmmaking and um, just kind of had some people encourage me and really speak uh, words of encouragement into me and said, hey, go go figure it out. So I, I figured out pretty quick it's all about lighting and audio, and, and we were off to the races. Obviously, this was a message that was on your heart for a while, um, and you, you you briefly touched on growing up without a father. Uh, so your story 
you growing up without a dad, what was your father's effect on you? You know, not having that dad um, there, because my dad committed suicide when I was 11, and not having him there, walking alongside me, really showing me and telling me what it meant to be a real man, quote-unquote, by God's standards, I bought into everything that the world says you need to be as a real man. Uh, All about the money, the power, the success, the sex, all of those things. And so I really was just lost and didn't have any kind of guide uh, to help me really just navigate the waters of of manhood and didn't have that, that father giving me the affirmation. And so as a result, I went looking for the affirmation in other ways. I had become a social alcoholic, and, and that was my way of medicating my wound. Uh, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. I was having too much fun running from God, and so let's just let's just drown it in alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I was that you know good time Johnny life of the party guy, and uh, you know I was I was the guy that would walk in the bar and and be the guy on top of the bar or with the lampshade on his head. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Exactly. No, and that was me. I was the outrageous. Let's see how crazy we can be. Right. Because I was, I was just looking for affirmation from anyone that would give it yeah. to me, and uh, and so yeah, I, I suffered from a very, very deep wound of abandonment, and I was very mad at my dad for leaving mm-hmm. me, and I was very mad at God for allowing mm-hmm. my dad to leave. I think a lot of a lot of people can say when they when they think about their father's impact on them, can can say those words. I grew up without a dad, be a workaholic dad. Uh, uh, you know, a dad that traveled a lot, uh, divorced and didn't really check back in, um, or a father that passed away. But to have a dad take his own life when you're 11 years old, and I mean, what a what an age to have that happen because you you have just enough synapses connected to know what took place, without nearly enough connected to be able to um, to process all the emotional nuances of something like a father committing suicide. What was the, you talk about your anger towards your dad, but that's such a, that is such a unique experience to grow up without a dad, but because a father chose to take his own life. Yes, it it was, you know, I look back and, and of course now it's easy to, to look back and see all the different things that, that I wished I would have done differently. But it, it was really God connecting the dots for me. And the, the catalyst and, and the, really the pivotal moment of my life was when God showed me forgiveness for my father. It was understanding. I knew he, had, he grew up without a dad, but I didn't truly understand it uh, until one day I was in a counseling session with a with a guy, and, and I'm a huge advocate of counseling. I, I really think, for me, my and counselor— all the people said amen. <laughs> my counselor was my Aaron to Moses. You know, he was the one that encouraged me, but yet called me out on things and and really just just really helped me uh, through the journey. And, and it was in one of those sessions that God just spoke to me and said, you know, how can you be so bitter, resentful, and angry towards a man who didn't know how to be a dad. And and literally for me, and every man's journey is different, 
But for me, it was in that moment that God just showered me with forgiveness. And and that moment uh, radically changed my life. It was that forgiveness for my father. And, and it radically changed my life in every way as a man, husband, and father. So, you know, that's part of the book, too. It's about that life-changing power of forgiveness and, and what that can do for you and, and how it can then allow you to be the the person that God created you to be. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. You know, as you speak, um, the word empathy comes to mind. It sounds as if that you were able to, for the very first time in your life, be empathetic towards your father, and that facilitated that forgiveness. Absolutely, that that was it. It was it was understanding and really digging into his background, and and really coming to to know that you know he couldn't give what he didn't have, and the fact that he grew up without a dad. His dad died when he was nine, and he was raised mostly by his grandmother, and you know he had a, a mom who had was married five different times and had men in and out of her life. And so uh, as as I began to dig more into his background and ask my mom more questions, it was really God connecting the dots and giving me compassion uh, and empathy for my dad. And that's what ultimately led me to forgive him. You mentioned also the process of needing to forgive yourself. Speak to that for a second. Wow. Yes. I, uh, I think, you know, I say in the, in the film and we talk about a little bit in the book, I was so, so scared to, to turn around and really look in the mirror at this monster I had created and all the running from God, even though I knew I grew up in church, I knew the game, I knew how to play the game and the lingo and I had everybody fooled. You know, I was this great Christian guy at home when I was in town, but when I was on the road, I was this, man, good time, Johnny, life of the party guy. And so uh, I just knew that there was this, there was this forgiveness that I needed to give myself to, and just to, to allow myself um, for, for God to do his work in me and really heal me for me. Did you find it was a process of actually forgiving yourself or accepting God's forgiveness that was already offered to you or some combination of both? You know, I think it was a combination of both. I really do. I needed I needed to forgive myself to kind of um, let myself off the hook, if you will. But it was also God's incredible forgiveness that I think 
uh, I needed. I needed. I needed the forgiveness from him, and the forgiveness that he opened my eyes to for my dad. And and really, that again, that's that was kind of the catalyst. Was was all the anger and all the issues and struggles sure. that I had went away once I forgave my father. You talked about how you came to that understanding that uh, hey, how can I expect my dad? to be a good dad when he had no idea what a good dad was. He didn't have a dad. So how could he be a great dad to me? Well, you didn't have a dad. And when you did have a dad, he apparently wasn't a great dad. So how were you able, you got, you got a house full of girls, you know, three daughters. And how is it that you have managed again, especially prior to having this revelation of forgiving and that sort of thing, how did you muster together the wherewithal to be a good dad to them. You know, it was really eye-opening in in making this film. Uh, we got to interview over eighty people for it, and God just really opened the doors for for people like John Eldridge and Dr. Meg Meeker and and several other pastors and and just all types of people. I mean, a former UFC champion to a rabbi to a South African rugby player. I mean, and just a lot of ordinary people with extraordinary stories. And in every story, literally every interview I walked away from, and God was like, dude, that's how, that's what God calls me. He calls me dude. And so we're, <laughs> he says, dude, there's something here. And in every story, there was something I was learning about myself and that I could take home and implement in my own home. And so it was really this journey of, of piecing all these things together and doing a lot of reading. I wasn't a big reader before God started doing this transformation in my life. And so I started reading various books and, and just trying to do everything I could to, to figure it out because uh, I began to understand just just how big an influence I have mm-hmm. on my girl's life and the, the significant lifelong impact I have on them. Some people will look at their upbringing, look at their past, look at their childhood, and they will shove off all responsibility for who they are and what they are and what they do today on their parents. Boy, would I be a better person, but you know, my parents were such and such and so and so. What's the difference between looking at your past, realizing the influence your past has on you and who you are as an adult, and not blaming your dad? or your parents or your upbringing for who you are as an adult? Well, I'll tell you that, that yeah, you know, I, I talk about it a little bit in the book and the movie, the victim mentality. Uh, that's what I call the victim mentality. And that's, that's what I lived in. I loved living in the victim mentality because then that allowed me to drink more. That allowed me all my bad behavior. It was easily justified mm-hmm. if I played that victim. And so, you know, it was, it was, in realizing that at some point in my life, I had to break away from that. I had to stop playing the victim, step up, be a big man, if you will, and take responsibility for my actions. And so I get it. I understand the victim mentality because I lived in it for 30 years. Uh, but ultimately, I'm thankful that, that I kind of figured it out, if you will, and finally decided to make a change. Because what happens is if we live in that, and we're we're doing that every day. It's a generational thing. I mean, that gets passed down to our kids. You know, whether it be anger, whether it be addiction, uh, fear, all of these various things 
get passed down to our kids. And, and the victim mentality is something, you know, it's really the last thing that I wanted to pass down to my kids. But unfortunately, it took me 30 years to figure it out. <laughs> but but ultimately, uh, God kind of slapped me upside the face and finally got my attention. Sure. But yeah, it's it's a matter of, of really just the willingness to step up and say, you know what, that stuff is no longer going to take uh, place here, and, and I'm going to change my legacy in my life. A few minutes ago, you were talking about your daughters, and it wasn't until you really truly understood that their future relied on you coming to grips with your past. Speak to that. I know you briefly mentioned just how which a huge impact you would have on their lives um, if you didn't kind of do an about-face but how did 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 you coming to grips with your past impact their futures? Well, you know, I learned so many lessons through making the film and the people that we talked to. I'll give you one example is the, the idea of modeling, you know, really understanding the way I treat my wife is how they will expect to be treated by their husbands. Hmm. And, and before all this, I was kind of that do nothing husband. You know, I was a guy that just kind of would walk in and bark orders and, you know, everybody served me because I'm the dad and you do what I say because I'm the dad, you know, that type of thing. Um, but now I understand it totally different. You know, it's it's the standard by which I'm treating my wife is the standard by which they will uh, measure every other man, husband and father. Hmm. And so if I'm you know, really cherishing and respecting and loving my wife, I obviously want to set that bar as high as possible. Yep. But if I'm physically or verbally abusive, they're then going to see that as normal. Hmm. And statistics will show you and, and experts will tell you that in a lot of cases, young girls will then end up marrying some type of abuser, physically or, or verbally abuser. So, hmm. you know, I that that was an eye-opening experience for me understanding that and 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 so also understanding that that I'm a reflection of what they believe God to be as a father I'm a conduit uh to God I'm I'm the first you know male conduit and father that they see and have in their life and and a lot of the ways I am they will reflect or transition into what they believe God is so there, there's a lot of responsibility there, but I wouldn't have it any other way because I don't want the world setting those standards. I want to be able to do that. The U.S. Census Bureau reports that one out of three children live without their biological fathers. I'd love for you to speak to kind of why you think that might be, um, as well as, you know, if, if, if you're a man out there listening, big ways, small ways, how might one help uh, in this, this fatherlessness that we see within America today? You know, there's a lot of single moms out there, and specifically talking to them, I uh, I grew up with a single mom, and that's an incredibly tough job. I mean, it's got to be one of the toughest jobs in the world, and and it's a full-time job plus some in itself, and it's just hard enough to be mom, right? And so because um, you are mom, you can't be dad. You don't have the tools to be dad. And so to speak encouragement into them and just ask them what, you know, to, to really find that that positive male role model, you've got to ask, you know, reach out and ask men, whether it be pastors, teachers, little league coaches, whatever. But if you don't have some type of 
uh, individual who's a male who's showing your daughter and or son what a godly man looks like, they're going to buy into everything that the world says he should look like, mm-hmm. which is going to be a very, very distorted view. Uh, on the flip side with men, it's, you know what, we've got to be doing the very best we can to be an engaged, involved dads every day. And, you know, whether that's listening to podcasts, talking to other men, reading books, there's so many resources out there that that we as men can be diving into. You know, what's, what's interesting is, as men, we're very competitive. We want to be the very best we, we can be if we're a CEO or a janitor or a salesman or whatever it may be. And yet when it comes to fatherhood, a lot of times we settle for mediocrity. So it, it's it's the thing where we've got to flip that switch and understand, you know what, I want to be the best dad I can be. And so I'm going to go out there and really just eat up all these different resources and figure out a way that I can continue to get better and stronger every day. John, thank you so yeah. much. Hope. Just a second. We have come to the part of the show that if you have become one of my favorite guests. This is very weird that you're doing this. Then... I get to, the next time you're in Austin, I get to buy your lunch at Enchiladas y Mas. And John, congratulations, you made the, the list of one of my favorite guests. So the next time, how do I, okay. The next time you're in Austin, Enchiladas y Mas is on me. Hey, dude, I am actually going to be there like next week, so I oh, might great. take you Oh, my <laughs> Lord, what are the odds? Okay, listen, I really meant Taco Bell. Um, it just slipped out that I said uh, enchiladas de mas, so. John, he always likes to throw in something awkward. My apologies. No worries. You know, the older they get, you know. Isn't that the truth? Little, you kind of get addled. They get a little yeah. weird, man. I understand. Exactly. If you want more information about John, go to his website. It is thefathereffect.com. You can find him on Twitter at The Father Effect, as well as Facebook is The Father Effect Movie. John, thank you so much Appreciate for Appreciate it, on. John. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time. That was so weird, Jimbo. Okay. Was it, is it just me, or did I have the most cogent, intelligent, probing questions? I Sometimes... <sighs> I impress myself. First of all, this I'm... is the wrap-up on the interview, so it doesn't need to be about you. Oh, got it. But, no, you interrupted. I had a follow-up question. You thought your follow-up question was more important. True. Well, he's, we like, he's like snapping at me and tapping me on the head with his pen to get my attention, but mine actually applied more than his. I wanted a follow-up question about the daughters, but you moved on. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, daughters. Ugh. Come on. This is the father effect. So... First off, if you haven't seen the movie, do so. Yep. Grab the book. We live in a culture that minimizes fatherhood. You know, we're told all the time that kids don't need a dad. They're just fine being raised by whomever. That is just statistically, morally, biblically incorrect. Fathers are... The more and more we know about the dynamics of of parenthood and childhood... Fathers are strategically important in a child's life. Therefore, if you're a dad and you're not, if you were dead, you wouldn't be listening. But if you're, if you're, if you still have your kids and you're married and you're involved in their lives, you just have to appreciate you have such a small amount of time to be there. 
such a small amount of time to say the things, to do the things, to model the things. In the grand scheme of things, you have just uh, the blink of an eye before the children are gone, and that influence wanes dramatically. Yeah, I was doing, I have a four and a half year old, and I was doing the math. We have now parented Ruth for 25% of her upbringing. And knowing Ruth, uh, how much has she parented y'all? <laughs> Isn't that amazing, During though? That yeah. She was just here, and she's now 25% gone. Yeah. Anywho, I, you know, I do like to to communicate to my the dads that I work with that moms, in a lot of way, due to their nurturing and their loving kind of mentality, they communicate to kids, you know, am I lovable? Where dads really can communicate, they have an opportunity to communicate, am I meaningful? And do I, am I valuable? Really, what's my my worth? Am I adequate? Those types of questions. And so in digging with your kids, dads, you know, you are going to go above it. Mom's got the am I lovable covered. You know, you're going to really reinforce the idea that these kids have have worth and value. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I loved his victimhood. He mentioned, you know, as soon as I got stuck in and lived in just that victim mentality, that that justified my bad behavior. That that justified my social. So it gives you a license. That you get social out of jail alcoholism, free card, yeah. et cetera, exactly, and the importance of moving past the victimhood. And the deal is, is it makes sense to us because we are all looking for anything we can do to shirk responsibility. If I can put my bad behavior onto my spouse, my kids, my job, my boss, my parents, my whomever, we're going to do it. We're first in line to shove our behavior and our responsibility off on somebody else. But there, it, it, it simply is, is inaccurate to blame because you have, I've had clients that were molested like you would not believe just gruesome horror story type abuse situations. And they go on to have good grades, graduate from college and be very successful. And I've had people that one uh, uh, person said, well, I think possibly, maybe uh, my dad might have touched me inappropriately. I think. I'm not really sure. It was kind of a one-time thing. I don't know. And it's just, hey, how you doing? Um, my name is Peter, and I was abused. And I want to be on Oprah, and I want to join every 12-step group there is. It's just this. Not that there's anything wrong, wrong with, with any of those. Correct. However, it became their sole identity. Yes, exactly. This is who I am because of this one. And then other people that have just horrific things that last for years, they go, you know what? That was a chapter in my life that I close and I move on with who I am. So, yes, avoiding the victimhood, I think, is essential when we become adults. I also loved his, you know, fathers as men, we strive to be the best in everything, but we settle for mediocrity in fatherhood. Yeah, that's good. And I think that a, a lot of us guys don't know what we're doing in relationship. We don't necessarily grow up giving and receiving emotions and loving on each other, and the love we do share is just being sarcastic and insulting our buds. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, Thank you for that insight, Josh. And, uh, and so we don't know how to do family, and we're confused, and we throw up our hands, and we move on. But emotional intelligence can be learned. You know, family relationships can be learned, and that's your greatest role that you'll play in life. And so not settling for mediocrity in fatherhood is huge. Yeah, absolutely. 
Guys, again, the father effect. The father effect. Go get it. If you want information about this show, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com, click on the episode tab, and then find the John Finch episode. And as we're recording this, this week, this is the week that series three actually dropped on Monday and yep. we're Thursday. Yep. And I mean, people are listening to it by the tens. By the tens. They are. We're actually into the thousand. We can't put an S on that yet. <laughs> But yeah, we can't say tens anymore. All right. Very nice. And we blew past the hundreds. Oh, I know. I now know. they're we, listening in the thousands. I don't even think, I think we're more of a movement. <laughs> or no, no, I think we're more of a sensation. It's very, very much like uh, the Beatles. Something like the that. The British Invasion. If you want to find the show or Jimmy or myself on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can also find that information at paradoxpodcast.com. And you can rate the podcast. I forgot to mention how important that is. Yeah, rate it, share it. Uh, we are at about 2,000-ish that listen per episode. And so we, and that's just six months ago, we were about at about 700. So continue to rate and share, and we appreciate it. You know, and if this keeps growing, mark my words, someone's going to want my autograph. That, that person is going to exist. I doubt that. That wants my <laughs> autograph. In it's fact, every happen. client that walks into the Timothy Center, he hands him a, a signed copy because that's the only person. The people <laughs> that get it for free yes. will be the only They'll ones that will take ask. it. No one wants it. <laughs> I got to hand it to them. Guys, ParadoxPodcast.com. Have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to TherapyWithBilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Sure. So the, the Enneagram is, um, it has this really interesting mythology, sort of this contested history where, you know, it could be, as young as, is, is 1500, 1800 years old, or, or perhaps older than 6,000 years, R regardless, um, it's really been the last, let's say 60 or 70 years that it's come forward in, in the West and it's come forward, unfortunately, sort of reduced down to sort of a, a personality profile system. My sense though, is that if you really dig into this and if you want to get a little wonky and nerdy, the Enneagram helps us come to terms with our ego set of coping addictions that we've wrapped up around a childhood wound so that we don't have to tell ourselves the truth about who we really are.